Good afternoon, everyone. It's Dr. Nigro again. Our next uh, episode of Psychology Unplugged. Uh, thank you to all of our followers across the globe. Um, it's an absolute pleasure to do this on a weekly basis, and I appreciate uh, your feedback and your comments. Um, we just try to present uh, information to demystify mental health, legitimize it, destigmatize it, um, and offer information uh, that's based in um, years of, of training and education, uh, clinical experience, and um, just day-to-day knowledge, uh, which is very different, I think, than what is portrayed a lot of times uh, in the media or in, in books. And, um, you know, there's no shortage of, of, of topics to this, but I have, uh, over the last uh, few months, become more <coughs> organized in planning these out. Of, you know, it's still very organic, and I make my notes, and I think I have more difficult, more difficulty reading my own notes than I do actually being able to write them or, or give the gist. But a, a, a heartfelt thank you, and um, I'm, I'm going to continue on because I've had a lot of people uh, say that they really like the last two episodes, and again, this is, there's no shortage of topics, but I, I wanted to continue on this journey um, with um, everyone's favorite topic, borderline personality disorder. Uh, I, I do like, so the last two episodes, I, I kind of used the conceptual framework uh, from the authors of Stop Walking on Eggshells, how they, the, again, these are non-clinical terms. Uh, you will not find these anywhere in any of the psychiatric diagnostic manuals or, or relevant uh, peer-reviewed literature. But you know, the four types were really the, the witch, um, the queen, the waif, and the hermit. And I'm approaching this, I've done a lot of several episodes on uh, kind of deconstructing and explaining borderline personality pathology uh, from the more from the clinical psychopathological perspective of symptom manifestation and how it kind of manifests in families and in, in, in individuals. And now I'm kind of shifting a little bit in terms of individuals who are in relationship with someone that has borderline personality disorder, whether that be a parent, a child, uh, a spouse, a sibling. And and what we're going to do today is um, uh, Mia Kirschenbaum um, had suggested that, um, you know, when you look at relationships, you don't, not to do kind of a pros and cons list, um, but she really recommended... Um, kind of diagnosing your relationship. So today we're going to focus on uh, diagnosing the relationship if you are in a relationship with somebody with borderline personality disorder. All right. So these are these are questions um, that the authors have put together, and I'm going to explain them to the best of my ability, and I've added and, and modified them um, to give a little more context and bring them a little bit more to life. So these are the questions uh, that you would want to answer. First, when you think about the times when things were the best, uh, had you settled into a period of real intimacy and knowledge about your partner? Was there truly a connection and a bond? And you saw this this 
long-term trajectory of, of happiness? Or were you still in the putting on your best face stages, which we all do in early phases of the relationship? We show the best sides of ourselves, hopefully. Um, or in other words, are you are you longing for the person with, with, with borderline? Um, I guess in other words, are you longing for the person your borderline actually was or the person that they were pretending to be, okay? Um, you know, the term I kind of came up with was of, of memories of the future. And I think I brought this up in one of the other episodes. And a lot of us have memories of the past, good, bad, right, wrong, indifferent. Uh, but memories of the future are kind of the fictions that we create, the house that we're going to live in, the kids that we're going to have, the vacations that we're going to take. And sometimes that can be very painful to mourn. We, we plan our lives out seemingly in, in that direction. And when these relationships, whether it's with a borderline or 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 somebody that's not borderline, um, when those relationships don't don't fail, uh, you know, I think we've all felt, you know, this is the end of the world, and I'm, I'm going to be alone, and I'm never going to meet anybody, um, and you know, it can be very painful, um, painful experience that I think all of us uh, have encountered at some point in our lives. All right, the next one, next question you want to answer. All right. <clears throat> Are your needs being fulfilled? And if so, how often are they being fulfilled? Are they fulfilled on, uh, you know, we could talk about the different reinforcement schedule, but are they, are they are they being fulfilled at just a basic level? And this is an important part, uh, it's an important question that you don't want to use the cognitive distortions and the justifications and give a real honest answer. Are you fulfilled in this relationship? Is, is, is your, is your partner, um, is your partner, um, fulfilling your needs? And it's important that you have a believe that if you're in a relationship with somebody with borderline personality disorder, that you have a right to have your needs fulfilled. Now is, is but we can't expect our partners to fulfill every single Need. I mean, I will never be able to give Julie 100%, but I do my best to give her as close to 100% as I can. I, I know she does the same as well, but the human factor, uh, and we are, we are frail, and we are vulnerable, and we are imperfect at times. Um, third question, has there been more than one instance of physical violence toward you or any children? Um, and if, if, if this is true, I would definitely advise you to, to seriously consider leaving. Um or put together a safety plan. You know, when, when physical violence happens, uh, you know, given the emotional volatility of borderline relationships, uh, there's no excuse or justification, whether it's a borderline relationship or a non-borderline relationship, for physical violence. You don't put your hands on your on, on your partner. You just, that just simply a, a never do. Um, the third question you want to ask, um, take a coin from your pocket and flip it. Head you stay, tails you leave. Watch the coin fall, and now stop and close your eyes. Before you open them, pretend it's heads. How do you feel? Pretend it's tails. How do you feel? Um, 
it's 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 you know it's it, you can do it you can do it actually you know actually do it or just do it metaphorically. But I think the important thing is to get in touch with how do you truly feel, and not not give a rationalization or a justification or some sugar coated answer, because you know in really diagnosing the relationship, we have to be precise. And in diagnostics, my job is I have to be precise, not close, not not someone in the ballpark, but I have to be exact. It's this, it's this, it's not this, it's not this. Um, so I think it's really important that, you know, what if, if, if say heads means you stay, what's that going to look like? If tails means you leave, what's that going to look like? And have, this is the honest conversation that you're having with yourself. Um, the next question, does your partner seem so deliberately, uh, oh, what that right here? All right. Does your partner seem to deliberately avoid giving you what you need, even the smallest things? Uh, and if so, they may have an above-average need of, for power and control. And this can get really old really fast and can really destroy intimacy. You know, they you know hold sex over you, hold affection over you. And it can also it, it can start to, you know... I've worked with people and they start to question their own sanity of like, I, I, I don't, I don't get it. Everything was going, going great. And then, um, you know, again, because borderline pathology is really about psychological survival, any perceived threat, uh, they can use, and again, please forgive me if I'm reducing people to they or borderline, it's just for the sake of conversation. Uh, but I have the utmost respect for the integrity and, um, the, intricacies of of this this uh form of pathology um next question has this relationship progressed to the point where you feel invisible or humiliated uh almost all the time uh does the borderline shut you up when you want to talk about things that are important to you and is your self-esteem so tiny that a police dog couldn't even find it um you don't need you don't need a professional to tell you this if your if your relationship is toxic, and I think sometimes people who've been in relationships with people, um, you know, multiple relationships with with similar people that may have had borderline or characteristics or features of it, um, you know, it's kind of called repetition compulsion, where you you almost become so numb and inoculated to it that you know not, I. I don't think everybody always sees the relationship as toxic. And, you know, when you get into that pattern of, of, of abuse, uh, it's very easy for individuals in relationship with borderline to personalize it and, and take responsibility and make excuses and lie to themselves, lie to family, lie to friends. Um, and so the next question is, is your partner a, a habitual liar? Would they rather lie than tell the truth? Um and, and, and does this get does it, this get you to the point where you become cynical? And I think it's pretty hard to stay in a relationship where you don't know what to believe. And you know, you know, George Costanza from Seinfeld said it best: "Jerry, remember, it's not a lie if you believe it." And I think George lived his life like that. I'm not saying he's borderline, but I think this is a question that you know can be you know be a um, definitely. A conflict, conflictual variable in a relationship, you know, being a habitual liar. Where you know, where were you last night? Oh, I was out with some friends. Well, they could have been at someone else's house having sex. Uh, you know, why why didn't you pick up your phone? Oh, and again, I'm just giving different examples of of, of extreme scenarios, basically things that I have worked with and I've heard over the years. 
the next question is, when you think about all that you've given in this relationship, do you suppose it's realistic to expect the score to ever be even? Um, and if not, does that bother you? And I, I don't think relationships have to necessarily, it, it's not about keeping score. Um, everybody brings different things to the relationship, but, you know, borderline relationships without the person being in treatment and getting help and making progress can really be incredibly toxic and, and have such negative and deleterious effects on, on the individual involved in the relationship with, with that person, independent of their relationship, parent, uh, child, brother, sister, colleague, coworker, lover, whatever they, they, that may, that might be. Uh, next question is, does your partner take any responsibility, any responsibility for any of the problems in the relationships? Have they ever told you that they will change? Um, and, um, it's better, you know, I've heard it over and over again. I promise I'll change. Well, have you made the phone call to get into therapy? Have you made the phone call to get a neurosignal? Have you taken, have you taken proactive steps? Uh, you know, one of the questions I'm just going to jump ahead that I wrote down is, remember, actions speak louder than words. You know, talk is cheap. My mother used to say all the time, talk is cheap. And, you know, if someone is not uncomfortable enough to begin the process of, of getting involved in, in, in psychotherapy, you know, my perspective, cognitive behavioral psychotherapy is, is the avenue to pursue. Um, you know, ask yourself, how many, how many times has he or she said that? Yeah, I won't do this again. Oh, I promise I'll change. And this is, I think, what keeps people hooked into the relationship because, when it's good, these relationships are great. They're you know high energy levels and exciting and engaging and a lot of yeah you know, hypersexuality and 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 partying and and genuineness and then that 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 abandonment for whatever reason creeps up and it becomes you know you you know if you're dealing with with if go back to the subtypes of the witch and the queen you know hell hath no fury like a borderline scorned. Um, so, you know, ask yourself, do, do they take any responsibility? And if they take responsibility, do you believe that there there is sincerity to it? Do you believe that, you know, I'm, I'm sorry, or are they just placating you? Um, I've said this before, that the only, there's only one reason why people change, and it, it's, only, it's not because they want to, have to, need to, are supposed to, a judge, a, a partner, a teacher, probation officer is telling them to change. People only change when they are uncomfortable. When they get they get from a psychological psychiatric perspective, when they get to a point of saying, "I'm tired of thinking, feeling, and acting this way," that is the only way somebody will begin the process of change. Uh, a next question: Have you fallen into the waiting trap? You know, it's like being in an elevator. You know, three seconds turns into three minutes, turns into five minutes, and five turns into ten, ten turns into thirty. Same thing in these relationships. If, if you like in the marriage trap, um, you know. You're waiting one to two, three years before you know it. Three years is going to be thirty years because you know we people just have become numb and used to this. Uh, and and if your self esteem is in the toilet and you're not viewing your this relationship as being toxic, you're more likely going to stay. And the borderline can easily beat you down. And if you if you think that by staying is going to help, it's actually doing the opposite because you're basically allowing and giving permission for this behavior. So if you allow your partner to, to punch you in the face or burn burn you or, or spit in your face or whatever, if you if you allow that, 
they're not, why would that person change if there's no consequences for it? And sometimes the consequences have to be at, at a magnitude that you may not want to pursue. But, you know, if you're in the relationship, and I'm, I'm talking again from people who are in relationships with individuals with borderline, you do not deserve their toxicity and you are not responsible to be their treatment providers. Um, another important question, if you're in a relationship with someone with borderline personality is, have, is, is, Give yourself a reasonable date for them to make change that you've requested. Hey, I'd like you to, you know, next six weeks, can you at least get a therapy appointment? Um, if they, if they, if you give it, it's not, it's not an ultimatum. Uh, and I think you know, using I statements, you know, it's like couples therapy one on one. As soon as we say you, like you need to make it, you need to go to therapy. It's like oh, okay, it's like putting the brakes on, like. No, it's it's not my issue. It's yours. Um, but it's not unreasonable to come up with a date to say, you know, you know, in six, if you say you give the date in six weeks, um, like you to make at least an appointment for therapy and they haven't done it. Um, the reality is, honestly, there's a good chance they never will. And if they do, you know, say you decide to leave and you say, you know, I've had enough, I'm, I'm, I'm tired of this, I, I can't be in this relationship, and then, then they say, oh, I made a therapy appointment. That's called reactionary change. And you have to look at what's the motivation. Is the motive, why, why are you going to change now? Is it only because <clears throat> there was a consequence and, you know, when things settle down and it goes back to like, you know, that, 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 you know, seemingly, uh, it's it's a what's the word I want to use? It's a it's a temporary hiatus from the volatility, um, but rest assured, it's going to go back into the volatility. Whether you know whether it's you know something that you may or have done or have not done or somebody else, but you know if you're in the relationship, you're going to be the target of the borderline per individual's rage. Um. Uh, next question is, are, are you limiting even the good times with your partner for the fear that they will turn into bad times? Do you avoid sharing your thoughts or feelings, asking questions, inviting them to outings, discussing part, things going on in your life, sharing good or bad moments of your day? Uh, do, 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 the, do the good times outweigh the bad? That's a really important question to ask. And again, when it's good, it's awesome. When it's bad, it's hell. And that's why people stay. And I've used the slot machine example. You, the slot machine pays out. You have evidence that it will pay out. So why it's difficult for individuals to disengage and leave the borderline relationship is because it does pay out at some point. But that payout is usually at the, at the juncture of when they feel that that person is going to abandon them or they're going to leave them or they're going to hurt them in some way, whether that's true or not. But it's it, it's it that is the, 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 the crucible of living with borderline personality disorder is it, it, and, and, and the cross that, they, that these individuals bear is intense fear of survival. But that does not justify the behavior and that it does not justify allowing these individuals with this pathology to destroy your life and it doesn't matter what relationship you can hold people accountable because if you don't hold them accountable how will they ever get better and i've said this before <coughs> borderline is treatable and curable with the caveat i'm gonna put it this time that the person is willing and ready and uncomfortable enough to engage and actively engage and do the work in treatment. Um, 
But if you if you if you feel that you have to again, this is the whole premise of walking on eggshells. If you have to if you have to walk on eggshells, you can't talk about your feelings. You can't talk about your thoughts. You can't talk about this because like, hey, it's like you know, I, I don't I can't bring this up because he or she is just going to go off the rails. That what kind of relationship is that? And you you deserve to be able to feel empowered to be able to talk to your partner about you know what your wants are, your needs are. Um, but again, I would always use I statements just to diffuse and try to de-escalate. Um, um, the situation. Um, can you articulate? Next question is: Can you articulate what you would miss about your partner? Uh, are they just, just generic things like com- like company shared experiences or personal things like oh, their great sense of humor, uh, their intimacy, their intellect, um, their passion for uh, travel? You know, are they superficial things? And, you know, if, 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 if there are deeper things, you know, more personal qualities, ask yourself, how often do you actually get to see those? And what is the frequency and what is the caveat in order to get those to become more frequent? What, you know, what is the price that you have to pay in order for them to get that? So you know, ask yourself, you know, what would you really miss about your partner? <coughs> I think, excuse me, I think it's a hard question. A little harder question for uh, parents to answer, you know, like, what are you going to miss about your kid? And say, you know, and I, but I have worked with people who just said, I just, I cannot, I cannot live like this anymore. And you have to, you, sometimes you need to love people from a distance. Um, and another one, does your, does your partner fight dirty? And if they do, it's gonna, are you going to be afraid to negotiate because they have, they can use more weapons and, you know, call your boss, um, you know, make up lies, post stuff on social media. I mean, so, I mean, the, the, there, there is a destructive quality. And again, I'm painting a picture from, you know, just looking at it from a diagnostic perspective that these are, these are realistic questions. And important questions to ask that if you're in a relationship with somebody with borderline personality disorder, you know, your needs are just as important as their own needs. But it, it is your not, is not your job to fix them. It is not your job to treat them. Uh, that's why there are, are mental health professionals. Um, but, you know, I think, you know, how, how uh, Mir Kirschenbaum uh kind of dissect this into more of a diagnosing as opposed to doing a pros and cons is these are these are questions that are important to ask because these are the types of behaviors that many individuals with borderline again i've said there's 120 different combinations i presented four just to give uh, help people get wrapped mind around me and i think the authors of the, the eggshell book did a really good job of you know putting like the, the, you know those four subtypes and being able to kind of say, oh, yeah, my, 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 my partner said, oh, yeah, my child is that. Oh, yeah, my, my, my this is so-and-so. Um, but, you know, so many other features factor into this. But I'm just providing a different point of view because, um, again, I, I it's the one disorder that I primarily treat from a, a, um, a you know, psychotherapeutic perspective. I see this very, very small group because I just don't have the time because – Neuropsych evals are at least the ones I do are incredibly extensive and they take a long time to write and put together. And I'm very anal and um, meticulous when it comes to doing that. But, you know, these are, again, important questions to ask in no specific order. Some may or may not apply, but these are the types of, of behaviors, um, you know, and why it, it, like I said earlier, and I said in other episodes, why it's hard for individuals to get out of this is because I think they generally care about the person. But, you know, it, it, it gets to the point of like how much, how many more 
minutes, days, weeks, months, years of your life are you going to allow yourself to not be happy while somebody else uh, is able to just dictate every aspect of your life and basically crush your sense of self and self-esteem. So hopefully this was uh, helpful. Um, I think we'll probably continue on this journey um, unless my mind something pops into my mind. I know people have asked um, Julie to talk about uh, things more related to um, medication with bipolar and stuff like that. And uh, that's a whole topic in and of itself. But I just, I just found this to be a, a good segue into continuing on this, you know, this, this psychology of plug is not about born alive personality, but it is the one that I get the most calls about the one that people come to see me for the most, um, most often, uh, as I've said, I think it's much more prevalent than what the, the current rates and the DSM are. Um, and it's something I, I encounter on a regular basis and talk to people probably the most common um, on a regular basis, both from individuals with the disorder, uh, individuals questioning whether they have the disorder, uh, individuals that I have that have come to see me that I have assessed and then, you know, going over their you know results with them. And also from people who think they are in relationships with someone with, with borderline. And I can tell you there's, you know, the, you know, these questions are, are crucial to answer. Don't worry if you, if you're not ready to make a decision. Um, but I think it's at least important to at least start the process of answering these questions. So don't, if you're not ready to make a decision, then don't, but have answer these questions honestly, not what you hope would be, not what you think they should be, not what you would like them to be, but just an honest appraisal, uh, an honest diagnostic you know, assessment of what is your relationship like if you are in a relationship with somebody who you believe or has been diagnosed with borderline personality disorder. As always, you can feel free to reach out. Uh, you can get a hold of me through Psychology Today. You can contact me uh, via email at psychologyunplugged@outlook.com. Um, you can follow us on Instagram at psychology underscore unplugged underscore, and you can contact me directly 617-750-9411 East Coast Standard Time in the United States. Um, until next time, thank you for uh, embarking and, and remaining on this journey with us. Uh, it's the highlight of my week. I thoroughly love doing this, and I try to get back to as many people as possible. Um, so if I haven't gotten back to you, just keep trying to get a hold of me. Um, don't the best way is don't get a hold of me through Instagram. Uh, you know, we're, we're, I think we're getting a little better at it, but getting a hold of me through email or calling me or texting me is is the best way. So until next time, take care of yourselves, take care of each other, and I will talk to you guys. All right, thanks, bye guys.